Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. This is Shad with Matt and Brad, and I'm not going to talk that way this whole night. Good Lord, I wanted to punch myself in the face doing that. You're going to lose your voice doing it that way. Yeah, that's the entire podcast. Painful. Yeah, it really didn't hurt. It probably comes from playing a lot of crazy taxi in my youth and talking back to the, the narrator in it. Anyway, we want to say, hey, we're glad you guys could join us. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Uh, we've got some uh, we've got some fun stuff lined up. I think it'd be some good contentious statements and and things to discuss. And um, well, I guess first I ought to ask, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing quite well. Yeah, thanks for quite, asking. Quite well. By the way, Matt, big uh, thanks. I got my uh, got my shirt. I yeah, can now so play I. my allegiance correctly. Oh, that's good. Yes, yes. It is, uh, even though it doesn't say it on there, that's a straight fire shirt, and I like it. Yeah, for uh, I, I got some Christmas gifts, belated Christmas gifts, uh, for my friends here on the podcast. Um, do you want to? Should I tell them what I got them? I got I got each you of you uh, the man T-shirt, uh, some <laughs> some actual branded uh, Becky Lynch uh, <laughs> swag. So now the funny uh, thing I, is, I, if you wear that um, out public. People who aren't in on the joke are just going to be like, "Who's this guy thinking he's the man?" All of a sudden. Oh yeah, they think they're going to think you're like some sort of douche. But uh, it's a it's a pretty cool T-shirt. It is. It's um, it's, I like it better than a lot of the other crap they try and peddle as their T-shirts. Because I don't like um, I don't like when they put like the wrestlers on there because I don't know I don't want to wear someone's face on my shirt. I just like writing, so that's why I like the um. The Rusev Day one when it was out, and um, I like that one and like New Day because at least they use their cartoon characters. Yeah, I am a. Uh, I don't like when they just like silkscreen someone's face on. Yeah. That's really annoying. Um, oh, like you know, I know they have given the guy some like exclusive contract, and no offense to him, but I hate pretty much all of the Rob Shamberger t-shirts that they do i think they look gaudy as all hell and I, really? I wouldn't i would never purchase any of them yeah i don't care for them i thought the bray one was was interesting where it's just the black and white and it's a contrast thing but eh, teach their own right mm. okay so thank you all for joining us we would love to hear from you we have our social media presence out and going um so if you want to find us on that big blue f how can we do it uh, on Facebook, you can like us, Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four corners. That is a single word. Give us a like. Leave us a comment. Sure. We'd love to hear from you guys. <clears throat> but if you just, if you despise that big blue F, because, <laughs> you know, who can blame you? If you don't want your uh, your data being used by Russian bots. <laughs> and you prefer... Or sold to anyone and everyone that has a dollar. Yeah. If you uh, then, and you prefer 140 characters or less being carried by an African or European swallow gripped by the husk, how can we do that, Matt? Uh, you can uh, you can join us on Twitter. That We are at Podcast Four Corners. That's the capital P in podcast, the number four in corners. Podcast Four Corners. Uh, we would love to uh, talk to you guys in 140 characters or less. I think it's like 280 or like 320 characters now. Like they changed that. Like no, I think they bumped it up 
Well, they may have bumped it up permanently. I know they were like test running it, bumping it yeah. up. Yeah. They should. They should. They should still limit it because otherwise, it's just going to look gaudy. It's just going to be like reading a blog post. I, d- I don't mean to interject with this, but I stopped using Twitter a while ago because for such a simple program, if if you have it on your phone, it is a data hog. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, well, if they make it, <laughs> if they honestly stretch the character limit out too much, then it's going to kind of hard be hard to uh, kind of hard to be justifying Twitter as what it is. But anyway. We'll set that aside. And if you guys don't like Facebook or Twitter, we do have a presence on Instagram. Instagram does not let you put spaces in, so the name on it is the number four corners podcast. I post every new episode on there. Uh, the ones that I'm posting are on SoundCloud, but we're on lots of different platforms. So look us up. Uh, also, while we're mentioning it, give us a review. Um, I mean, what the heck, if you like it, if you don't like it, let us know. And then, if social media is not your thing, we got the email. What is that, Brad? That is pitpodcast25 at gmail.com. I I say it on every episode, but I don't check it regularly, so don't be offended if you don't hear from me for a while. Also, I wanted to add, um, those reviews on, like, if you're using, like, a, a subscription service... Those are important to getting us more visibility, so please leave good reviews. Um, we are on iTunes, Google Play. I think we're on Stitcher. I've seen the. I've been looking at those numbers, and I've seen we've been getting a couple of people subscribing. So, if you like what you hear, please leave us a five star review. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, and- they're going to like what they hear because we are getting to be professionals at this. <laughs> We uh, if we're we're doing a pretty good impression of it, aren't we? Yeah. So, <clears throat> all of that being said, uh, we've got some shout-outs to do as well. Want want you guys to know that um, if you're looking for something for that person in your life, for that wrestling fan, for that wrestler, for that person that just might like some some good attire and doesn't care what's on it, well, you should care. It's good stuff, but. If you go to Collar and Elbow, that's Collar X Elbow, all put together, no spaces, <clears throat> you can find good quality clothing there. And if you use the uh, discount code, the number four corners podcast, no spaces in that either, you can get 10% off of your uh, off your purchase. They have good quality stuff. They're run by good people. I've met them. I've talked to them. I sent some shirts to the guys. Hey, you know, we like them, and that's why we're an affiliate with them. Isn't that right, guys? Yeah, again, the shirt that you sent me is actually super, super soft. It's, like, very comfortable to wear. Yep. I, I love those. That's that's why I bought, you know, multiples of them. Um, and then, and then, we have a shout-out that is almost as old as this program it stretches back in the archives in the histories to almost the beginning wherein what we did was so magnificent it drew the attention of this special person once who would that be Matt? uh that would be epico cologne um 
I've seen Epico tweeting more recently about Jimmy's Seafood in Baltimore, and I'm kind of obsessed with going to this place now. I've mentioned it before, uh, but I'm really fascinated. Apparently, the owner is friends with wrestlers. He like knows Roman Reigns and other people, including Epico. So I'm I kind of want to go. I want to make like a an excursion up to Baltimore to to taste this magical seafood that apparently <laughs> Epico is obsessed with. So. Are you saying that we might have a possible American Ribera analog on our hands? That would be kind of fantastic. If I uh, know, right? If there's some sort of Jimmy Seafood like track jacket or something that I could purchase, <laughs> uh, I would do so. <laughs> oh, I'm all about that. I think we should. It's it's high time we have our own American Ribera. Yes. Of some sort. Yes. All right. <clears throat> so. Guys, what we're uh, what we're going to do is we're going to dig in a little bit tonight. The thing that we're looking at is to um, is well, the first thing is uh, Matt and Brad were kind of already familiar with this, but I I had not gotten to watch much yet, so they wanted to get my reactions to something. And what was that? Um. Well, there's a there's a multitude of things, but um, so <laughs> this one in particular. So we had we had the NXT UK Blackpool Takeover. I don't know how they named that. Was it just Takeover Blackpool? Yeah, because you know how they do, and when they do takeovers in America, yeah. they always do ta- takeovers, and then the subtitles always like the name. And they've been to some cities multiple times now, so it'll be like NXT New York three or something like that. But I guess because this was being held in Blackpool, England. Uh, I guess the the former former home of uh, William Lord Stephen Regal slash William Regal Blackpool, yeah, isn't he from Blackpool, England? I think so. I think yeah. that's where he was built from, right? So this uh, is um this hmm? was this Saturday? <clears throat> I think it was Saturday. I don't know. I I'm watched. Pretty it. sure it was. I watched it on Monday, so I don't know. Uh, I have only seen a couple matches out of it. I um, we're kind of going a little off here but so i watched it i thought it was an okay show um i was hoping it was going to get me excited to like invest in the weekly uk tv show and it kind of failed to pique my interest i thought um i thought the opening tag was really good i liked the no dq match and the main event was good but far too long I only saw the opening tag, uh, which I was I thought was good, but I was kind of confounded as to why they didn't they didn't put over Mustache Mustache Mountain as I call them Mustache Mountain. <laughs> well, um, the, I, but you could tell the the thing that got me with that is you could tell the crowd did not want the team that won to win, and you could just feel them go like Ugh, like when they won. They seemed like so bland and and just no heat to them whatsoever the yeah. other team not not mustache mountain the other team uh and yeah it was a good match but the kind of yeah the crowd kind of was deflated when they lost it's like they didn't understand it neither did i the that I suicide know. dive block was fucking intense yeah it was a good match uh they came out in uh like an homage to the british bulldogs too because yeah. uh tom billing billing is a I always mess up his last name. Tom Billington? I, I think so, yeah. Dynamite Kid uh, passed away not that long ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting they did a tribute to him. He was, he was 
absolutely a phenomenal worker. He was just a miserable human being. I would mm. say miserable piece of shit. Yeah, he me. he was just a he's not a good person. No. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of stories on that front. Um, I, I haven't gotten to see much. I've seen like bits and pieces around. But, and um, so. I saw the Balor match too. And um, if. If it was Hulk Hogan in 1985, I don't think he would have gotten that big of a pop from a crowd. Oh, you when Balor came out? Yeah. Yeah, he was a. Uh, he got a really big pop. He faced off uh, Jordan Devlin, who apparently he trained. Yeah. You he know, was, look, this he is was like. like what was like hobo version of uh, Finn Balor? He was right. He was like. He was like a dime store equivalent he's yeah that's kind of like mean to say he he, but he was clearly uh he's clearly like in that balor fashion but yeah he's not he's not balor it was a lot of these guys kind of all looked alike to me yeah that was a big problem i had i also um i want to say though it was nice to see finn balor not bland wwe balor it was Mm -hmm. like he had some of that NXT edge back to him. He used some different moves. My biggest complaint with this show, though, is like, I think this was this show was a big, like, first time exposure for a lot of people. I think like me or Matt and the finisher kickouts were just all over the place. Like, you know, I, I see that they're trying to do what they kept. They kept referencing uh, British Progress. strong. Well, they British strong style, mm-hmm. uh, and I, look, I like strong style. We know it's like the Japanese strong style. Um, they do have that history of kind of like you do your big move, the other you kick out, the person kicks out, and then you know maybe they pop up and do a big move to you, and then you're both laying there on the ground like exhausted. Uh, they don't spam finish as much as some of the WWE main event does or has been doing. But yeah, you're right. Like they, they kind of overdid some stuff here. And there's um there's an issue you run into. I've seen it happen on some other shows where there's there's a certain trend that you have happen uh, for match finishes, and the same thing kind of happens over and over and over again. Like in this case, you guys are saying it's like finisher kickouts, finisher kickouts, finisher kickouts, or screwjob finish, screwjob finish, screwjob finish. And it just reinforces the point that you cannot have uh, everything on a card end the same way. Because you are going to, first of all, bore, and then second, piss off your audience. Because they're just seeing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And yet, it still happens. And I have to say at this point... I am just over WWE style production. I don't. I don't understand why you would say that. I find. I find this. I find this tiresome. <laughs> because I'm tired of like the constant cutaway shots, um, the fact that they can't stay on an angle for more than five seconds. Like I'm really at the point where I'd rather just watch a crappy indie show with a single camera than I would a WWE produced show. I watched some old um I watched some old WCW not long ago and it was it was refreshing because so much of what they did was just from the hard cam and then they would cut to like rid- ringside cameras for accent or whenever they were it was a bad angle for the hard cam 
but most of it stayed in that hard camera and it was nice yeah because it was if you cut that often it makes me think of a bad action movie where they cut and cut and cut to cover up the fact that whoever is on screen supposedly fighting doesn't know what they're doing so they've got like the strobe light fights going on is to cover up the fact that their fight choreography and what they're doing looks like garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and also, um, Matt probably knows this too, but um, they need to work with Nigel a bit because they have him doing the vocabulary right. But when you're saying, oh, he's been training forever to have a career in sports entertainment, it just it gives you the douche chills. Yeah. I... I, I the, you didn't like the commentary again i've only seen a couple matches but it it's the same thing you can make the same argument with all these shows is that they just they shoehorn in the lingo yeah it's like god forbid you actually say the word wrestling yeah that's that's an unfortunate side effect of um i guess vincism at this point i i don't i i really i i if it's made him so much money, I don't understand why he's so hard against embracing what he does. But, you I, know, who am I to say? I'm not a billionaire. Smarter people than us have probably tried and failed to figure that out. Probably. So the the thing that we, we started this out with is Shad did see the end of the show, which had a big debut for... Spoilers! Spoiler alert! Whoa! (laughs) So Walter showed up and proceeded to be a badass. And Shad, uh, what was your reaction to your first uh, exposure to... I think we need to clarify something. Um, Because from what I've seen from all the promotional material, his name is not Walter. It's WALTER, because it's in all caps. So I'm sitting there, you know, I'm I'm like, I, I had some uh, had some clips, and I'm clicking around looking at it, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, big debut! You're not gonna believe it. And I was like, you know what? If if they're freaking out like this, I've probably heard of this person. So I push play, and I'm sitting there, and and Pete Dunn standing in the ring, and he's looking all like, oh, I just had a match, but I'm still the champ. So you know, here I am. Whoa, you know, you know that kind of thing. Everybody does that. Hell, I've done that. And he's standing there, he's doing it. All of a sudden, this music hits. I'm like, well, this sounds different. And then Nigel McGuinness. I don't, I don't want to be like gross with how I say it, mm-hmm. but it kind of sounded like Nigel, Nigel McGuinness needed to change his pants in his exclamation <laughs> of, of when Walter walked out. And... Walter? Yes, Walter. And the the thing I love, first of all, is that the music is excellent. Like, that's mm, that's perfect. Um, I never did run a a monster gimmick like that, but if I did, the thing in the back of my head was always to use uh, Mars Bringer of War from uh, the planets. Um, Who did that? Holst? I think that's right. But to hear this classical piece of music play, and then he, he just kind of sashays out. And it's this big dude with this big square jaw and a buzz cut and these deep set eyes wearing this awesome Bane style jacket, and, you know, the long coat. And he kind of walks out and he looks around. And all I can think is 
there's a reason why I've heard of this guy so much. He's not, you know, whether or not how well he can work, this dude has cultivated the aura, and I am already buying in. Not even having seen him work, I am already buying in just from that entrance. And his, his video, it wasn't like pictures of his face growling or anything. It was just his name in white on a black background. And I thought, God, there's so much right with this. I like that. Um, I like that. Uh, I know they, they did the directing there, but I like that he was comfortable just walking out there. He did kick Joe coffee out of the ring. But I like that he didn't even feel the need to do anything. Like, it was enough to just stand there and stare at him. Yeah. And, and like I said, he had that aura that you're just... And, and Dunn's reaction was good, too, because Dunn went from being like, I can take it. Yeah, I'm the champ. I just beat this guy. I can take it to being like, oh, this is not how I wanted the evening to end. You know, not, not like immediately freaking out, but... You, you could read the tension, right? The pensiveness, maybe, is a good word. Um, so it was interesting. And then I went hunting around on some other Walter stuff. So that I think that might kind of answer your answer the first question. <laughs> but I went hunting for – go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I like Walter a lot. Um, I, I It's difficult to try and, and say who – he probably is like a modern day analog for Brad. Would you have someone in mind? He's it's a different style no, set, but I feel like he could kind of capture like the aura that like a Vader had. It's different because he's not quite as big as Vader. He wasn't, and he's he very comfortable working the mat. Yeah, Vader had more of a what's afraid a big personality, like yeah. Vader wasn't just a big dude. Like Vader's personality and his presentation was big. This big gorilla, I'm the man kind of thing. Walters is a very, very kind of calm, threatening thing. You know, if you ever been out with people, you know, I don't know, whatever you were doing, and some stuff starts getting, you know, you look around and people are starting to get tense, and you see there are some people who are getting ready to throw down because there's going to be a fight that happens right in front of you. And you look, and there's that one guy who's jumping around screaming at the other one, and the other guy's just looking at him. The first thing you know is the guy that's jumping around screaming's getting ready to just get murdered. And you know that that other guy's going to do it. That's what Walter's aura kind of projects, is this whole, yep, I'm going to take you apart. I th- I'm not going to feel bad about it at all. I think, um, thinking about comparison since Matt asked, I would be comfortable comparing him to Dr. Death Steve Williams. Hmm. Okay. Um, so what kind, of, what kind of matches did you get out there and look at? Well, uh, the thing that I found first was some highlight stuff. So I did not get to, um, I didn't get to dig in real deep because I still have a very, very small child who is very, very sick. But what I did get to watch, um, one of them was, you know, it was a highlight thing about his top moves. It, I, I didn't get a clarification. What is Walter's finish, by the way? 
I could have told you that had you not asked me. Let me. Ah, <laughs> the vapor lock strikes again. Um, and then I did go, uh, and the reason I sought this out was was Brad's insistent recommendation of Walter v. PCO, um, which uh, Brad's probably going to storm off at this point, but I was not terrifically enamored with. No? I thought it was fine, but I didn't like... Okay, I understand. Like, PCO comes out, it's this fanfare, it's this resurgence. He's supposed to be like this, you know, this, this tough guy who's reinvented himself and he's out there and all that. And I mean, he got absolutely whipped for like 10 minutes. And I'm kind of like, except for like this one short hope spot that had that split legged moonsault you told me about, which looked really good. But it's just like Walter just beat the fire out of him and the pacing for the match seemed off and like Walter's guy, you know, if, if, if you watch WWE and they, someone says it's a methodical style, that means slow. That means he's blowed up brother. But Walter actually does have a methodical style where what he does is he'll do something and he'll give it a minute to breathe so that people can kind of be like, he just did this thing. And then he's getting ready to to lay in something else. And so there's kind of this, oh, that just happened. And then the tension starts coming up about what he's going to do next. Incidentally, what he's going to do next in that match, 95% of the time, is a chop. I guess that's part of Walter's gimmick is that he just chops the living piss out of people. Well, that match was kind of... The story of that match is it was kind of like a giant dick-waving contest between the two of them. So that's kind of why... Well, if that's the story, then PCO might have gotten the gotten the win, but Walter won that contest. But, like, it's kind of... It's kind of like... Walter's this kind of, like, young... The young gun, and PCO's this old man, and Walter's just kind of like... I think that... And I'm I'm looking back through this through like hazy memory, but it's kind of Walter being like, "Fuck you, old man!" Like I'm gonna show you, and it's the old man just like throwing pretty much his whole body. It was the old man trying to dislodge Walter's boot out of his ass, is what it what looked like to me. That I mean that that is what most of that match was. I, I still liked it, but it's it's not the the enjoyment of that match isn't just that it's like a. It's not that it's a good match. It's yeah, it's that like it's, it's a like... classic. It's just that it's like it's kind of crazy the shit that like PCO was doing. Yeah. And how like un- surprisingly brutal and hard hitting it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like it's. I think it's just a fun match. It's one of those weird like things that you can only see like in professional wrestling, where it's like just yeah. two really big dudes, one of them having no business doing some of the things that he's doing, but still doing them, and it's just mm-hmm. it, it's it's entertaining in like a. And it- in like a freak show type of way, but yeah, well, and and it's um, it's um, it feels like it stood out. I think because especially in indie wrestling, and I think Matt will kind of know where I'm coming from, is it's a little too buddy buddy now. Like you do this move, I'll do my move, mm. and it's rare to get a match like this where it's kind of just two dudes like puffing their chest out, and you know just saying, "Come on, let's you know, yeah. let's get a little yeah. crazy." There's a, a sad a tendency for everyone to be like, get, I'm going to get my shit in and 
do a bunch of poses and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also a lot of times when that doesn't happen, but this one, you're, uh, Brad's right. It's like it's just two really big dudes just wailing on each other. And it's, I mean, it, you, it, it has like a certain level of like chaos to it and like an unpredictability the first time you watch it where you're yeah. like 75% of the way through and you're like, I don't know where they're going with this. Yeah, well, especially because like PCO starts busting out these really crazy spots, and it's like, holy shit, what am I going to see next? Yeah, speaking of that, um, at the Ring of Honor show, um, PCO took a Canadian destroyer on the ring apron. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Okay. You remember, you remember that? Um, remember when we did SummerSlam and Jeff Hardy wiped out on that senton to the ring apron side? Yeah, I remember that. Um, I think I posted it to you guys but there's an mlw uh la park versus pco match that's actually pretty fun where he does that same senton wipeout on the ring apron pco yeah oh god i know no no thank you you guys do bring up a good point um and it's there's a preference that i have in in watching a match if what i am watching is the if it looks rough, like if it looks like the guys are doing stuff but they're not quite in step, I actually kind of enjoy that more because it looks more like they're actually opposing each other. Um, I, I, I found an interview with people talking. Someone had sent Cornette something to try and piss him off, and he said, look, here's the thing. This doesn't bother me. It looks rough, but the fact is, you know, there's so much stuff that it that there are guys doing that it's obvious that they couldn't do it unless the other guy is working with them. And that's, that's, that's a big thing that gets on his nerves. And I get that. If what these guys are supposed to be doing is if it's supposed to bear some kind of resemblance to a contest, a physical contest, then there are some spots that, that, kind of spoil that right now i'm setting aside like silly goofy comedy stuff because the silly goofy comedy stuff that's not what they're going for they're just trying to make you laugh but i I do understand that point of view so therefore if that that was something i did appreciate about that match is that everything didn't go smooth right it it didn't and then we got to see you know it, it it looked like PCO is getting beat up and Walter's beating him up, but it's it doesn't look like it's like well we're having a match together kind of thing like you guys were talking about with it being buddy buddy. So I do appreciate that. I have killed the podcast. Okay. No, I, w- I was going to ask because we you'd kind of mentioned when Matt and I were talking about the chops. So and you you'd kind of mentioned that that sounded a little rough. Like in the context of the match, did they seem as rough as you envisioned they were going to be? Like as kind of putting it in a little too much well i had seen one of the first things i had seen was a clip uh after i saw walter walk out hey did i i'm not sure if he like whipped somebody at nxt uh, uk or something but someone had posted a video of the first chop he threw as part of that and they're obviously sitting kind of far back and you can hear the impact the clap whenever it hits um, so it's, it's pretty obvious just how rough that is. And the fact that, you know, he's throwing them like that, I suppose is, a uh, 
you know, that that's that gets attention, right? But on the other hand, it's like my problem with that is that every I never liked throwing chops, I never liked doing chops because you know, if you do if you do one every now and then that's fine. It gets the crowd into it, they're like, Oh, that's so but if you just do it over and over again, all you're doing is just beating up on the other guy. So, you know, at first it's like, Oh man, that's some good stuff and then it's like <sighs> okay. But that's that's a me thing, right? I know that's not everybody. Um apparently Walters finishes Gojira Clutch and Golden Bomb and a power bomb. I don't know if a golden bomb and a power bomb are the same thing or not. It's a. The, I look. The golden bomb is a pump, uh, pump handle power bomb. Okay. Um, it's interesting. Walter is his build height and weight is about my size, which that was that was. Uh, he's like intriguing six, to me. He's six, like six four. four. Yeah, yeah, and uh, probably like three hundred. Mm-hmm. I. Which is in real life is a big guy. It um, is in, in the world of wrestling. Isn't necessarily a big guy because there have been like really huge guys out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I don't, wrestling's I don't, gotten smaller the last decade, though. Oh, it clearly it, has. It has been, yeah, yeah. I, well, this and, is going to be like a weird uh, kind of guy to reference, but and I don't know how, what your perception is of how big he is. But if anyway, and if you have ever actually seen like Billy Gunn up close. Billy Gunn is like a gigantic guy. Oh, he uh, is. He's like six five, isn't he? Uh, I think so. Around there, he's at least probably six four, I would guess. And he looks like he is well in the the two hundreds. Like he's got to be like probably at least two fifty. Even mm-hmm. now, I mean, he's he he's probably like on the choose. But anyway, like in wrestling, like you, you can beat a set because like guy like Billy Gunn, you don't think is like this huge guy, but comparatively he's kind of like walter's size or a little bit smaller weight wise but basically the a same height. taller yeah. yeah but but walter just looks like a monster he does that's what i was talking about with that aura is that the dude just has this presence to him that is so so um golly just intimidating you know it, the the phrase I came up with for him in watching, and it's something that, that I know, Matt, you and I had kind of agreed on in the past, but Walter seems like that his gimmick to me is is straight-up roughneck. Because um, it's like what he does is rough and mean, and he's trying to put you away. And I appreciate that. He's a guy... <laughs> excuse me. He's a guy who, if he was in a different era, would be... He'd probably have like a big run against like Hogan and would have been like very believable. Yeah, yeah, I'd seriously think he's very believable. I think he's also, it's interesting. I think he's the guy like previously might never have gotten over here, but I think with having all those streaming services and people getting to see WXW really mm-hmm. got him this level of hype and that's what got him over here and exposed so much. Yeah. And from what uh, is being said behind the scenes, uh, he, he's going to be a big star, obviously in uh, their UK. uh, I don't know what you call it. Brand extension, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He apparently he's, he's 
for those who don't know, he is uh, he's German or Austrian, one of the two. It's kind he's of he's Austrian. Austrian, yeah. It, yeah. They're like culturally, they're almost the same. Uh, but he he apparently doesn't want to move to the United States or want to live in the United States. He's fine, I guess, doing occasional tours and everything, which is what he's done for the Indies. But he doesn't want to kind of live there long term, uh, which I think is in a way kind of unfortunate because if he if he would. They, I don't even know that they would have bothered with him in the UK. Maybe like to just to kind of get him used to like WWE style or whatever. But he could easily be like a major, major star on like the main roster if he wanted to. Well, here's the thing: even if you were okay, consider the transition Braun Strowman had from when he first came out to where he is. Walter doesn't need any transition. I could see Walter walks out on Raw, sizes up Braun, and then just le- rears back and chops the piss out of him. And you would be like, ooh, Braun's in for a fight. Not because Walter's that size, but just because he's, you would expect, yeah, he could win this fight. He's got that kind of, got that look. And I've killed the podcast again. Here we go. No, I think uh, we're, just, <laughs> we're just kind of processing what you were saying. I, um, yeah, I would agree. You got me off on tangents of people on the main roster. I'd want to see Walter fight. <laughs> uh, there's I a can lot guarantee. I can guarantee one thing you would never see. <laughs> you would never, ever see a Walter Triple H match at Mania. That noise would not happen. I think um, I think though you're gonna see a lot of these guys, especially on the UK brand. I think you're never gonna see make it to the main roster. I think I think the UK brand is just specifically to suck up more talent that they have no intention of ever doing anything with. Which yeah, and that's that's to me that's almost like a, a separate argument or discussion that we could have on a, in more in depth at a different time on a different think... podcast, perhaps. But yeah, like I. I think you're right. The entire UK division is basically just that. It's because some obviously there are guys from like Progress and some a, a couple of the Rev Pros, a couple of the other British indies. Well, I mean, I mean the UK program to me, mm-hmm. watching the NXT Takeover, it was like watching a Progress show so, because the same guys are booking it. Like the match structure was the same and everything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they pretty much have just they pretty much just stole Progress's roster and. shows pretty much yeah so uh, i do want to i want to bring this up um from because you guys had mentioned finn earlier this is being recorded on january 15th last night on raw they subverted everyone's expectations because the expectation was that at the royal rumble it would be lesnar versus Strowman for the universal title and that's not what's happening Last night, Finn Balor landed the coup de grace on uh, John Cena in a four-way match for the number one contender spot. After Basically, Braun busted up Vince's limo and Vince took him out of the match. So we can assume Braun will be in the Rumble. Um, so they had a four corners <laughs> a title drop, <clears throat> four corners number one contender match, which was Cena... And um, Corbin and Valor and I'm forgetting and uh, Drew McIntyre. 
And they're out there having this argument about who's going to be in this number one contenders match with Vince, and Finn comes out. And Vince is like, you're a great athlete, but, you know, look at all this beef in the ring, and that's what you're going to need to beat the Lesnar. And Finn looks at him and says, well, you can say that all you want to, but the truth is, Vince, I'm the only one in this ring that's been Universal Champion, and and even with that, you never believed in me. And I was like, ooh, that's some spice. They're kind of doing. They were kind of doing like a weird like work shoot thing there. Yeah, yeah. It's any any time that happens, I I remember Vince from the first Edge and Christian show of, of Vince <laughs> sneering at Christian, going, "What? Don't you ever read the internet?" <laughs> That's just always popped up in my head. And Finn wins, so it's going to be Finn versus Lesnar at the Rumble. Nice. Um. So this... I went to a I went to a house show two days after Christmas, mm-hmm. and um, Finn was far and away the most over person on the roster. And Seth Rollins and Ronda Rousey are both on the card, and he got a bigger pop than either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's as far as I can tell, there's four ways this plays out. So. Finn Balor faces Lesnar and loses. Probably the expected outcome. Finn Balor faces Lesnar and wins. Probably the least likely outcome. The Demon King faces Brock Lesnar and loses, which has not ever happened. The Demon King has not lost on the main roster ever, I don't think. And then the Demon King faces Lesnar and wins, which would be really cool. I don't really expect it, though, because I just, I don't, but with everything that's happened lately, uh, Styles and and Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan and all that kind of stuff being, you know, killing it like they have been, I don't know, I got this, this little grain in me that says, you know, maybe just maybe this could happen. I I think Les I've I've seen rumblings that Lesnar has only signed through the Rumble, so that might affect things. I think though if if they're truly serious about this change thing that they were talking about a couple weeks ago, Finn Balor has to win. Yeah, I would love for him to win. I unfortunately, guys, am pretty cynical about this because for everything that I have heard is that. They are, and this is something that Brad kind of wants to get into. Maybe oh, God. they're like obsessed with, uh, with basically having Seth Rollins most likely win the Rumble. And the the what I've always heard recently is that the planned match is supposed to be uh, Lesnar versus Rollins at Mania. I presume it would be for the title because why else would Rollins and Lesnar be having a match? Now here's here's the thing that I wanted to say. It it kind of seems like they've they're they're cooling on Rollins a bit. Um, Are they? Like I don't I don't know that I perceive that to be the case. I think I that feel that's... like they have since he and Dean pretty much <clears throat> fell on their face on TLC. Yeah, with with as badly as that match went, I could see Vince going like, "Hell with it, we're doing something else." It's that's possible, and I look I. I've waited for them to actually give Balor a big push for like two, three years, however long he's basically been on the main roster and I guess came back from the injury he immediately sustained. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Rollins. But I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a lot of faith. I guess even if he loses, it, it potentially they could still move him up into the main event spot. I mean, I, I would hope that they would try and do that and have him eventually somewhere down the road. It's this just, year, possibly win the title, but I don't. I don't know. I feel like I feel like this is this is what they have to do to fix the problems with their product. Is I don't know how they did it. Because, but he has gained this groundswell of support, and he's actually, against all odds, he's actually kind of hot right now. And they always wait too long. They just need to say, you know what, fuck it. We're yeah. going. We're going with what's hot. He's getting the belt. It, it's. I, I would. That is the kind of change I would love to see because that means that they're they're actually paying attention to the what the people that are paying for the tickets and watching at home are reacting to. Um, that was kind of like a, a live or die thing on the indies is if, if you don't, if you're not over, if you're not getting reactions, they're not going to do anything with you. If yeah. you can consistently get over and do stuff, they'll do things with you. But, um, God, I, Matt, I am inclined to agree with you. Um, I, I can't, I can't say that this is going to happen, but I got a little bit of hope that it could. The only I way, mean, the only way Finn losing to Lesnar is acceptable. If he loses it to Finn, you go to the Rumble. He comes out at thirty as the Demon, just clears the ring out, wins the Rumble, and pretty much comes out the next night saying, "Yeah, I lost, but Lesnar, you're facing the Demon at Mania." So they could do that. That would be kind of awesome, but that's really like heavily investing in Balor, which yeah. again, I'm I would not be opposed to in the least. But I th- I don't think they're going to do that, especially because I think I think they're actually going to use that type of finish for Becky Lynch because I think I think they're going to apparently the plan is to have the main event of Mania be Rousey versus Becky dot 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 versus Charlotte. Um, which I don't really agree with. I don't really want Charlotte in, a, in, a, in that match as a three-way, but I kind of I anticipated them probably doing it. Uh, I think for that to work best, they they need to have Becky chasing a title. Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, why would she chase a title if she has a title? So I think somehow you could. I think you could unify, which I think the women's division would benefit from yeah but i don't i don't think they would do that i think i think what you're probably going to have is that somehow she loses the match to oscar in some fashion where she's still kept strong and then she somehow gets herself into the women's royal rumble and wins it either that or next month they have elimination chamber and she wins that but i don't know there's i think i I, I think they probably I, i don't know I could see some screw job stuff in the match with Oscar happening, um, because you know Becky comes out and wins the rumble and says, "Why, well, she, Ronnie and I have unfinished business. I'm coming for you." I could see that because that would, first of all, that would fit with her gimmick, and second, that would be so hype. That would be awesome. Then, but it kind of it's like, how do you get to that point? Unless you decide it's going to be champion versus champion at Mania, and then how do you get Charlotte into it? Well, you probably use a you know use a crowbar to shoehorn her in. 
Well, th- that's why I think the champion versus champion would work because then you could, you could build it as Becky and Rousey, and then you could shoehorn Charlotte as the SmackDown Women's Champion in and do like a unification thing. Because then you could have her like honing in on it, but this time you could have Becky be like, you know what? Like, I want both belts. Like, come on in. Yeah, something like that. Um, they could, but I don't. I don't think they will. I, I kind of wonder though if they assume if they don't do that and Oscar's still champion. I, I don't even know who they would have face Oscar. Uh, um, Carmella. Uh, maybe Mandy Rose, since they're trying to push her. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna go <laughs> real well. Um, another interesting thing, uh, since uh, well. We had mentioned Rollins earlier. They and he had been in the thing with Dean. Last night we saw the Intercontinental title change hands on Raw, and uh, Bobby Lashley is the Intercontinental champion. Ugh. He speared the living piss out of Dean Ambrose, got the win, and then celebrated winning the title like you would want cel- someone to celebrate winning a title. He was seriously, he was like really happy about it. So, um, that, you know what? It's it's That was something that was kind of nice to see. Lashley does nothing for me, even though um, Leo Rush as his manager is outstanding. I don't know. We might, we might get to see something new come out of this with that kind of reaction that he had. But anyway, that, that's... That stuff's, um, that stuff's hard, though, because... I don't think they know how to react to that stuff because sometimes the fans aren't reacting to the person themselves. They're reacting to the fact that something like actually happened. Well, and, but even if that's the case, him reacting in such a big way means that he is in the moment as well, whether or not they're cheering for him or not, he's still in the moment and that makes him very much a part of it. Um, His his current character works better as a champion too. Going back to like the impact stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens out of that. It, it could be interesting. The the rumble's going to be um, rumble's going to be weird. So the, the rumble could either the way the rumble's shaping up is that could either actually be an interesting turning point where the product gets better. Or it can just be more of the same. Like, it's going to be an interesting... Like, there's, they're actually setting up a potential card where they could really redeem themselves for the future. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they have the guts to actually pull the trigger and do that. Yeah. Um, which would be fascinating to me because my pet theory would be that um, the fear of what AEW could be has spurred some serious change. I don't know how spooked they are by that yet. Um, I think they're. I think Jericho's spurning them and saying, "AEW offered me more." Yeah, might have them a little worried. Yeah, is that his explanation? Because I don't. He to said me, they offered him more money. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Uh, to me, he could be saying that, and that may entirely be true. But. Uh, I don't know. I've heard rumors, and obviously no one knows anything really. But I heard rumors that, oh, it's obvious. Look, it's obvious that he clearly enjoys working with those guys and thinks that those guys creatively 
are doing stuff that the WWE isn't doing. And he would certainly have more creative freedom to do what he's doing. Plus, if they actually are able to get or maintain some sort of relationship with New Japan, that would suit him quite well, uh, that he wouldn't necessarily get with Vince. But uh, to me, like I, I heard rumors that he was really kind of like... Uh, I guess he had requested uh, some workers from the WWE be part of his tour this year and kind of got the brush off. That could be just pure speculation. Uh, but allegedly that was something that rubbed him the wrong way. Hmm. I have no idea if that's true. It could I could just be spreading uh, baseless rumors. <laughs> but I, that I've heard sounds that. like something I could... That sounds feasible. It certainly sounds like something that the WWE would do. Uh, just because there were the elite guys were going to be part of it, I can clearly see even before. I guess it was known that they were going to try and form their own company. Like I could see where they're like, we don't really want to have any association with that. But still, uh, if they did decline, I guess potentially it could have rubbed Jericho the wrong way. But who knows? Jericho's a weird guy, so I can see that. Like he, he, um, he does uh, get offended by that stuff pretty easily, from what I've seen. Okay. Well, guys, I'm, I'm, I want to dig us into um, something else I thought we could discuss. Uh, I found earlier today over on Reddit, someone came up with a what I thought was a, just an excellent, uh, excellent conversation starter. Uh, this was on the Squared Circle subreddit, and it was posted the the. Original thought was posted by a guy named uh, Semmark5, S-E-M-M-R-K-5. Shout out to you if you're out there. Um, it said, what is a wrestling opinion you will always stand by? What's a wrestling opinion that's a hill you're willing to die on um, in terms of you know what we see today? And um, we kind of talked about it a little bit before we got started, and Brad pointed out that there's a lot of stuff in that thread that's it's not unpopular opinions like it's it's kind of like a a, a no kidding um but there's some stuff that's worth worth discussing and um there's some stuff that uh we might have some opinions ourselves that that would be worth discussing on so as long as you guys are game if not i've just done this whole intro for us not to do it um can can you tell me the username that said Jinder Mahal is a good was a was the best uh, heel champion? Yeah, his the name he used was the screen name was uh, Jareth J A E R E T H. Jinder Mahal was the greatest heel champion in recent history. He simultaneously got the kids, Marks and Smarks, to hate him. It was brilliantly executed. Smarks are going to out themselves with their reply to this comment the way they always do. So my first reaction to that was that rain sucked. He wasn't like a worthy champion. Like that's kind of your initial thing. But then I started thinking about it and I was kind of like, you know what? Like, I don't know that I necessarily agree, but I can see some, um, I can see, um, I can see some truth to that statement and some validity to it. What do you think, Matt? I don't think it was the worst. I mean, I, I didn't think the run was great, but that's kind of like just how they booked him. I and actually he had to face Orton the whole time. Oh yeah, it, he that didn't serve anyone anything. Um, I I also felt I felt he tried. You know what? I his matches weren't the best because I think you're talking about a guy who hasn't ever 
really learned how to work WWE main event style. Not like WWE style, but like main event style. And all of a sudden, he's expected to be in the main event. Um, and obviously, there are other people who could slide right in and be fine. Uh, that wasn't him. I don't necessarily entirely fault him for that, though. Uh, I think he tried really hard. And he did... I think I thought he did a decent job. Like, I, I kind of have a weird soft spot uh, for that run. Uh, I'm not like a big gender fan naturally and i haven't really cared about what they've done with them since then which now, which is not much i'm in problem. this i'm in this weird place with it because i'm sorry i know i'm jumping in brad i'll get oh, you I'll, I'll let you go in just a second um the guy makes a good point right like gender's reign got heat from pretty much everybody I thought that as a heel, he was very good. That For me, there were just two problems. Number one, what, two months earlier, that this is the guy that lost the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, Memorial Battle Royal to Mojo Rawley and Rob Gronkowski. Um, and all of a sudden, he's, he's the champion. I'm kind of like... Ah, uh, that bothers me. And then his work in the ring really took me out of it because it was look. It's gonna who am I to talk, right? You know, I've I've never worked on the big stage or anything like that, but it seemed subpar. So was that was the idea behind this that as an as a heel out of the ring? I thought he was excellent. I thought he was a great heel outside of the ring. My problem was when he got in the ring, I didn't want to watch him. So was this a gender's not uh, doesn't work real well? Or was this a gender worked a boring style to make sure there was nothing to like about him at all? I don't I mean, know. <laughs> well, I mean, even, even before he got re-signed to the WWE, I mean, indies weren't even using him like in prominent spots on their cards. Right. So but, uh, my biggest problem with his reign was it sent a really shitty message about WWE priorities because you have this guy they never pushed and then suddenly he is so obviously on the juice that if you squeezed him <laughs> steroids were going <laughs> to come out his nose. Like it's a really crappy message, but then I think what I think the ring work, like I agree with you, Shad, was bad when he got in the ring, but he was in there with Randy Orton, who could have not given more of a crap about about anything during that run. Well, yeah. It, it kind of seemed like Orton knew he wasn't going to win the feud, so it, it didn't seem like Orton was trying real hard. And as a, you know, if you're the fiery babyface going after a heel with that much, that people hate that much... You you would figure everyone would be behind you, but it just maybe I'm not remembering it right. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm remembering the way I want it to be, but it it seemed like it didn't have great reaction going on. No, remember the remember we in one of our pre Four Corners podcasts, we did the Punjabi prison match, and the crowd was dead for the whole thing until um, the Great Kali came out. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is I don't remember specifically about the crowd reaction. Um, it's not that I don't care. I just I, I don't remember. Oh, well, this is going to be kind of bad, but I forgot that they did a Punjabi prison match. 
Oh, there's, yeah. There's a podcast of us talking about it because we talked about how we liked that the Singh brothers were willing to die for our entertainment. They, they, they were, and they kind of still are willing to die and take ridiculous spots. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. I feel like they, I, this, I, so it kind of in defense of gender, like I feel like they, given that he was champion, he was champion for like six months or something. Yep. Uh, I feel like they should be doing more with him. But the problem also is that they have so many people who are, they have so many heels between both, both of like the. Like 75% uh, of the rosters heel. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, they could get, if you, you know what, get weird get weird and just make him face, but have him be like, now he's like happy go lucky. Uh, I'm, I'm like the hero of the Indian people. I'm like, no, I'm a fun Hindu. Know, this, uh, is, this is what you gender. gotta do. This is what you gotta they do. They could do that. They could make that work. I would kind no, of this, be into that. This is what you gotta do. Three man band, Jinder Mahal, Heath Slater and Rhino. Oh, they're putting Rhino in, in the spot yes. of, of formerly Drew McIntyre. And just, and just have him like, just make him like absolutely like have no rhythm or unable to play like an air guitar. <laughs> I I I'm gonna out myself when they were doing the three man band. It was like my favorite thing that they were doing at the time. Okay, well this brings up another thing that I think um, I found also in this thread that I think is worth discussing because we uh, we already mentioned him. May as well bring it back. Um, Randy Orton, whether or not he's good or actually anything special. Nothing special that gets by on his father being a well-remembered wrestler and that weird that weird uh, boner everyone in wrestling has for third-generation stars for some reason because they're so rare. Or like second-generation, just... Like legacy type, not. I mean, well, I guess he was part of the that legacy stable, yeah. but uh, uh, I, I, this is this is rough because I want to disagree. I want to say that he's a good worker or can be when he's motivated. The problem is like I'm so tired of him and he's never motivated. So I don't, I'm not, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. And they've been unwilling to push guys for a fraction of the failures he's had on top because he's into like five or six failed runs on top now. And they, and you can't trust any, like even when he's like moderately entertaining, like, I kind of thought he was okay when they were doing that stuff, like with him and the Wyatt family. That was probably the last time he was actually interesting. Yeah. yeah. But, but you can't let your guard down because even in that, you're like, oh, okay. Like he's kind of settling into a mid. Oh, he's the champion again. Pretty much. Yeah. Like that's why you can't enjoy things. But remember, remember when Mark Henry beat him for the belt? Like the ratings on SmackDown got so bad they tried to go with Henry and Mark Henry actually improved the ratings as champion. I have a soft... I actually do have a soft spot for uh, Mark Henry when he had that, like, run as, like, a monster. That that was that was one of the most badass moments in a match ever where Orton goes for the, the RKO and he can't get it and, and Mark Henry just shakes his head no and power slams him for the win. The... Uh, I, I will offer 
for what it's worth. Now, bear in mind, I am no Orton fan. You know, I, I refer to him as Blandy. Um, but for what it's worth, what are you saying? Yeah, yeah. Are you trying to big league me? Like a shred, like a pouch of shredded, uh, shredded uh, bubble gum, man. That's what's happening here. Um, the to give Orton a little credit, the out of nowhere meme. <laughs> uh, that that is very funny. Yeah. And yet, to give with one hand and take away with the other, if you were to give, if you give somebody the diamond cutter as a finish, and he can pull it off from lots of positions on lots of different people in lots of different ways, then anybody's going to be over with that. But he can't hit. He only can hit it one way. Well, for example, you know, catching Evan Bourne out of the Star Press and stuff like that's what I'm referring to. Catching AJ Styles out of the phenomenal form with it. That sort of stuff is what I'm, I'm meaning. And I would argue the meme is uh, more interesting than anything he's done in his career. So, okay. so And um, and that's even been ruined because the out of nowhere thing just makes me think of him, like, whipping his dick out at four <laughs> writers. And it's it was basically DDP again, right? I mean, it, it was it's that's what it is. It's 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 the diamond cutter again with a different phrase tacked on it. So, so. Chad, what is your favorite uh, out of nowhere meme video? Oh man, that's really tough. I it's 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 a it's a morbid one, but that guy in like the Belgian Parliament jumping off the balcony to kill himself in some protest, and them throwing wow. him in there is my favorite one. That is dark. I don't. I don't think I've seen this one. It's on the. It's on the. It's on the best of. Also, the one where he does it to the Hulk. <laughs> I think the one that I probably got the biggest laugh out of was one of the, the parkour botch ones. Just be just from how it worked. I can't remember exactly which one, but I think it was one of those. All right, so. That's that's an examination of, of um, some opinions. Um, Matt, do you have do you have one that you would stand there and say this is uh, the line is drawn here no further? You know, I actually I thought of one. This is one that I don't know if any either of you ever actually frequented uh, the Death Valley Driver video review message board, the DVD oh, yeah. DVD VR. I was aware uh, of it, but I did not frequent it. Which uh, I think is still in existence in some fashion. Out it is, there. but they're on like board like number six or something because they, they there's some weird blow up and they have to get a new message board every couple of years. That actually reminds me. I think like three weeks ago, I remember it existed, and I went on there, and my login still worked, even though like I haven't I hadn't previously been in like six years um, i think i had a login at some point but it's been so long i'd have to look and see i don't I, actually... I don't even know how how mine still worked because it's like I, that should not have existed still it's still <laughs> not have been good after like six years but it still worked i think i messaged like phil Rippa whether like he still did comps or something uh so <laughs> i should probably try and log in again and see if he ever responded um <laughs> But anyway, they made it. They uh, they kind of put this argument up there years ago. We're talking like probably like ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, maybe even longer. I don't know. It was a long time ago. 
they made the argument semi in jest, and I feel like I kind of agree with it, but they argued that not only is Dustin Rhodes a phenomenal, like, all-time great worker, which I kind of, I don't think is a terribly contentious statement, Okay, but they made the argument that he is a better overall worker than Triple H ever was. And I think that I would actually stand and die on this that hill. I've been making that argument since 2003, and people were calling me crazy until, like, I think the late 2000s. And look, I'm not saying that Triple H is a bad worker in any stretch of the imagination. I think he has his flaws, but I think uh, overall he's great. Uh, he has he can have he he can't have and has had at least in the past like, some great matches with people. But I feel Dustin Rhodes is an extraordinarily underrated worker who, like I, again, if if I know he just had like double knee surgery, but if he were to be able to come back and they would give him some sort of run anywhere, it doesn't even have to be WWE. He could go to, he could go to AEW since his brother's there. Um, I think he'd be phenomenal. I think he's just he's a incredible talent. God damn, you're just opening a, a can of worms with the Triple H thing. Like, I want to do a whole show like dissecting him as a worker now. Uh, we should. We'll put that on the list. Because um, there's there is there is a there is a bountiful like discussion to be have to be had about how Triple H is actually his own worst enemy and not, like, fully understanding his limitations. Mm. But to get into um, Dustin Rhodes, one of, I think the last great WWE storyline was the Rhodes family. Oh, that was so good. And uh, he is great. Like, his, I don't think there is a person that, uh, that times their comebacks in a match better than, than, Dustin does and it's amazing that like as a guy pushing 50 like he is still as mobile as he is mm. well, I think he's had double knee surgery now hasn't he yeah, uh, I mean, up until like even his last run he hadn't really slowed down that much that's true the thing I think that for me is the biggest takeaway on how good Dustin is is you consider that Dustin not only performed, but uh, to be fair, he he could he was able to thrive under many uh, under different gimmicks. So you know, obviously, everyone thinks of Gold Dust, but before that, he was Dustin Rhodes, and he did really well as Dustin Rhodes. And, you know, he's he's had multiple gimmicks where he's done well. And he's had this longevity and, um, you know, lots of stuff like that that has been really good. And so I think that, I think that that's a credible argument to make. I'm not – I'd have to do a lot more pondering on it uh, before I, I was – ready to figure out where I'd plant my flag on it, but I can I can definitely see where they're coming from. I think um Booker T and Gold Dust is one of the most underrated tag teams of all time. Yes. I love their movie reviews and like their backstage stuff. Booker T tag teams are just great in general. Booker T and Gold Dust. Booker T well, Harlem Heat, obviously. Booker T and R V D. They were all excellent. They were outstanding. 
And um, I still love the 7-Eleven video with the two of them. <laughs> oh, man. I need to go dig that up and watch it again. But, I, but like, he just... Even, like, watching him do, like, some 10-minute match on main event or something was better than, like, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that supposedly better workers, like, did. Like, he really is, like, over, like, a 20... 25-plus year period, like, he was doing that? Like, that's pretty impressive. Um, to... As a callback to when we did our our award show, and I mentioned that a big thing for me is consistency, I don't think I have seen Dustin Rhodes have a bad match. I've seen some that were just okay, but I don't think I've seen any that were bad, you know? Um I mean they've been they've been solid. And even even as Black Rain in TNA, even if you know, he wasn't in a good place and they weren't doing a whole lot with doing a whole lot with him, they were still they were perfectly fine matches. And so he has this consistency built in that and Brad was just saying, you know, we watch him watch him work ten minutes on main event and it's good. You know he might not he might not have a a, a bevy of five star matches, but it's still good. And that to me that's a that's the big deal. I want consistency. You know people with 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 mountaintops and valleys frustrate me. I think the only other wrestler that's had like as far as our lifetime, like it's hard to go back and talk about guys in that pre like mid eighties period. Mm-hmm. Where we don't have as much of the footage. I think the only person in that modern 85 forward period that has that same body of consistency over decades is Jeff Jarrett. Mm. That's an interesting... Who doesn't get... who? Well, if we're talking about Hills to Die On, he does not get nearly enough credit for how consistent and good of a worker he actually was. He kind of... He kind of his dog as a worker, but I think that that's misplaced. There's like stuff in Memphis. Like I was watching something, and he was really solid. And I looked up when he debuted, and it was literally like ten months into his career. Wow. And that's he was really like impressive. that good. What but, I mean, I think I agree with you. I don't think Jarrett gets the credit he should. Of course, the other side to that is I think Jarrett gets exactly as much hate as he probably should. Um, because with, you know, the, the Triple J moniker and stuff like that, uh, I, I think he earned that. Yeah, but in context, though, like, the, I think he still gets unfairly crapped on is when you when you look at how much time in TNA that actually was. It was only a couple years and then when he like lost the big match to Sting, he actually did go away, and only really came back because his wife died and he needed something to do. Well, I'm like, I, I'm not. I'm saying I'm agreeing with you. It's not. Uh, he does not get the credit he should. The flip side, I, I do think he he gets the crap he gets is probably deserved, but it's also depriving him of the credit he should have. 
But I think like where I will defend him on the TNA stuff is it was a fledgling company. And I mean, what are you supposed to do when WWE was very predatory with poaching guys from upstarts? Like they were learning from mistakes and like, yeah. So, I mean, it kind of sucks, but yeah, the best way to not get your top guy poached is to put the belt on yourself. Uh, well, what I was going to say is use Raven because they weren't going to try and steal Raven back. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the the thing that happened there was is um, their big botch that kind of always goes under the radar is they were going to put the belt on Raven, but he would not sign a six-month deal with them. Hmm. Okay. Is why that, like, original title change didn't happen. Hmm. Well... All right, fair enough. Okay, but I mean, like, I understand. I understand it, but like I said, he, I think he does get unfairly dogged as a worker. Like, I think the best Kurt Angle matches I've ever seen have been with Jeff Jarrett, because he would, he actually would rein in Angle's excesses. Um, hey. His match with Shawn Michaels in '95 is one of the best Michaels matches of all time, and it was because Jarrett was leading him through like a more Memphis like style match. I remember very clearly Jarrett being a horseman and having doing having good matches then. Very good matches. You know, I don't remember that Michaels match. Uh that's from In Your House. One of the In Your Houses. Hmm. I want to look that up then. It's really good. It's what it's, was um, this was this was double J Jarrett, not Aztec Jarrett, right? Yeah, right, that that would have been before. <laughs> okay. Jared, yeah. I just I, I like name dropping Aztec Jared because it it's amuses a, me. It's an icy title match. Okay. All right. Well, Brad, let's let's pass the ball over to you. What is what is a hill you're willing to willing to plant your flag on? Well, I just I just died on that Jared Hill. So. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But I'll go into um I'll I'll do a second one, um. Seth Rollins is overrated. He's always been overrated. He is not a guy that you should put the top belt on your promotion on. And this has been proven in two companies. And if they're really going to try it again, they're going to learn again that he is not a guy to build your company around. Okay. I want to chew on my thoughts for this a second. So, Matt, let's get your reaction to that. I feel that is a very contentious statement. I feel like okay. there's a lot of people who are going to disagree with that. Um, but I, I, I agree it's a contentious statement, but I feel like the facts of his previous title reigns prove out my statement to be more true than not. Um, I think he is a good to great worker. Uh, I think he clearly can have like really amazing matches. Uh, I hate to to be this way. I think I would at least somewhat dis. I would think I would somewhat agree with you that he's not. He's not the guy to carry the company at least like long term. Like he's not. If you're looking for like a a Hogan, Austin Rock, Cena type of person who can like carry the torch for a few years as like your standard bearer, like I don't think it's him. I think he'd be perfectly fine in the short term until they find someone else. So maybe like six months to a year, having him be like the guy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
maybe that's where they're going to go. I think the problem, and, and we've touched upon this like so many times before, but it's still true, is they put so many of their eggs in the Roman basket that now that he's gone for some indeterminate amount of period, uh, they're at a loss. And I thought maybe they could kind of fill the the hole with with Braun at least because he was over. Uh, but now it seems like they're going to go back with Rollins, and I don't I don't think that's going to work great for them long term. But yeah, they kind of screwed the pooch with him with the Dean feud. Yeah. yeah, but I also feel like he could still slot into that role. But the, the thing is, like, I think he is a great worker. But I think if they're gonna take chances, like, he's not. I wouldn't go back to him just because, like, they know him and he's safe. Like, I, I kind of would. Uh, me personally, this is maybe my preferences, but I would try and see what they could do with with Balor. I mean, I, look, we like Balor, uh, and Balor is in great shape. But let's not forget that Balor is in like his late thirties. Like, if they're gonna pull the trigger on him, it has to be sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they should try and, and do something with him. And again, I and sadly, I don't think they're actually gonna do. I think, I think he's in this match because they need a placeholder match between now and Mania when Lesnar theoretically is gonna face Rollins. And Lesnar apparently specifically wanted to work with Balor and has wanted to work with him for like a year. Mm. So I think that that's how this came to be about because that's Lesnar definitely has that streak where he wants to have good matches with people like yeah. AJ Styles and other people. So, I, but I think that they should. I think Balor is someone who would be better than Rollins to kind of carry forward. He's like a good-looking guy. He's a great worker. He clearly would have the interest of, of both men and women. I think he'd be. It, they, I don't think that they think he is, but I think he would be a safer bet. But uh, I would disagree with you in terms of Rollins' like ability. I think he actually is a great worker. Uh, I don't and think I don't, he's a main event style worker, though. See, I, I think like he's the, that guy I that think, you throw in the opener. I think I disagree. I think he's fine in the main event um, to upper mid card. But again, like I, I think. I think he's someone who they could slot into the main event when they need to. And I think, unfortunately, that's where they're going to go. And I'll say unfortunately because I don't like him or I'm entirely opposed to it. I just feel there's better guys or guys who are more deserving of a chance now, like Balor. I just want the Shield to be out of the main event. Like any any member of the Shield I don't want in the main event for at least like a year. See, I feel like they've already screwed things up because I did the plan apparently all along was to have Ambrose turn heel, but I think they could have delayed it and then maybe around like now they could have had Dean go heel and that would have set up like a really possibly compelling match between him and Rollins at Mania, but... I think that Dean would have been better as the face and Rollins be turning on him, but yeah, but Rollins has shown an inflexibility to his match structure the, the last year, and um, he can't you can't have a heel working that style. Well, I want to. Here's okay. I think I've got a handle on on how I want to say this. The first thing that I look at is um, Rollins can go, but if it were me, I believe that I would have Rollins. Is kind of a modern-day Kurt Hennig, a modern-day Mr. Perfect, a guy who is, he's over, he's capable, and he's great, 
in that mid-card spot with, like, flirtations with the top of the card. But I don't feel like I want him up there at the top. Um, Here's another... Well, and here's a big reason why. A big reason is with as hesitant as Vince seems to be about putting new people uh, in the main event scene for any length of time for, you know, how much it takes to get them there. And the, you know, the sheer amount of work that goes into it. And then you have the fact that Rollins injured Balor as badly as he did and retired Sting doing what he did. I don't want the potential of him doing that with someone else I have at the top of the card. So yeah, I want I him that. in that I want him in that mid card spot because he's been doing great there. He's been killing it there, but I don't think it's going to translate real well. And his universal title run with him it was this weird dichotomy of him supposed to be a chicken shit heel, except when it came time to actually get in the ring and have a match, he'd hold his own. It's like I feel like you're missing the point here. So that's that's where I kind of stand on that. When when I was saying uh, using him as the opener, I meant I didn't mean like him be a jobber. I meant like he would be my go-to. Go out there, like do some crazy stuff for fifteen minutes and get the crowd revved up. On oh shows. yeah. Oh no no That's no. I didn't what. I didn't think you meant him being a jobber. I mean we we want to clarify that for the listeners. The the second most important match on the cards, the opener. But it's I still I I I I want him as the mid card guy I can rely on. That's where I want Rollins at. <sighs> okay, I suppose I should probably have my submission for a hill to die on too, shouldn't I? Yes. All right. I don't know how popular this is, but this is what I'm going to go with. And this, what spurred my memory is someone posted it in the thread that we drew this inspiration from. I'm of the opinion that in the Halloween Havoc match, Diamond Dallas Page is the one that should have ended Goldberg's streak in that match. That should have been the time they pulled the trigger on Page and built from there. I got so, um, My only disagreement with that is... Um, you would have been foregoing the Goldberg and Wrath match that was looming that they later <laughs> screwed up. That's true. That's true. Because I know the match wouldn't have been good, but I think if you would have held that out till Super Brawl, I think you could have actually done a good buy rate with that because I think people actually would have been would the, have been interested in that and there's some good optics there because Wrath was a big guy. The streak and, versus um, streak match. Yeah, and I think you could have always gone back to DDP like and used that like almost got him and then put him over. Like I think I think you would have been fine like going back to that match a second time if you didn't like screw up in the interim. What do you think, Matt? I'm not opposed to that idea. Like, I think, uh, look, it should have been in someone other than Nash. Oh, and, definitely. And yeah, why not? Why not DDP? Because he was like pretty hot, and that I remember that match actually. That's probably one of Goldberg's 
best matches. Oh, I yeah. Say it, it might it is. It might be his best match. No, I, I absolutely believe that. So, yeah, why not? I mean, why not Paige? Well, there's a number of reasons that um, I, I say this. The uh, First of all, Paige was crazy over in that time period. Goldberg was hot, too. Uh, obviously, Goldberg was really hot. That's, that's why this match was so anticipated. The match was excellent. And you had all of the pieces that you needed for um, for this to for it to work out. Either way, it went. Like even as it stands, I'm not saying it was a bad outcome for that match, but I think it could it would have been better if you had a different one because you had Goldberg, who yes, he had the title, he was still a relative rookie. He was a beast, and you had Paige as the wily veteran with the secret weapon that he could hit out of anywhere. And so have the match remains basically the same right up to the point whenever Goldberg tries to lift Paige for the jackhammer and drops him back down because he can't do it because he, he hit the post so hard on that spear attempt. Paige drops him with the diamond cutter, and I end there. Like, I don't even alter the match much except for when it stops. So, in doing that, suddenly you can... Because Paige didn't win the title until, like, a year, year and a half later after a heel turn. Um, it was... He won it in March. Was, and that was October, so five months. Okay. I misspeak then. Five months later... After Paige had been out for a while with an injury and came back as a heel, you could have had a super hot baby face right there do this. And it people would have bought it because of the way the diamond cutter was presented and because of the kind of vet that Paige was presented as. So I'm of the opinion that it that would have been a better outcome. Um, and I haven't had anybody... The, the only thing I could come up with is, you know, is that how you wanted to end Goldberg's streak? And I can say it had to end sooner or later. It had to happen sooner or later. You know, do you want to do that and, and give it to – because Hogan thought he was getting it, and then Nash decided he was going to get it. Do you, Does it need to go to either one of them, or could you use that to build another one of your baby faces in a big way? I think – um I think, um, in my opinion, I know the sooner rather than later thing is true, but I think um, it was April, by the way. I just looked it up. Okay. That DDP won it. So six um, months. Yeah. I think that, I think you're right, sooner rather than later, but I think the other thing is um, people weren't necessarily sick of it yet, and um, I think that's where they kind of screwed up thinking that they needed to um, – they overthought it where I think you could have just left it on Goldberg for a while. And as soon as like the crowds start reacting a little less, like, yeah, then take it off of him. I think DDP was actually the right person to beat him. I think you could just do a rematch down the line though. And it's not going to matter. Like as far as, um, as far as DDP, I don't think it matters because his character, like his actual character made him, 
fairly bulletproof to losses because he had such a character that <clears throat> losing actually got him more over than hurt him. And I think, um, I think that's a good reason that you could have had him lose the first match, come back to the second match and maybe like do some like training vignettes, like, you know, some stuff like that. You could do a story to go into the rematch and then have him win it in the spring or around bash at the beach or something. That's really my counter to that. It's just, I agree. DDP should have beat him. Just go to a different time. What do you think, Matt? I can. I think that there's some good logic to that. I, I'm. I guess I'm just. My premise exactly is like I. I think I would have been absolutely fine with DDP. I think he would have been. At a much would have been a much more worthwhile endeavor. <clears throat> For someone like him, he could have gained a lot more. And I also think there were some worthwhile Goldberg um, pay-per-view main events. I think I would have done in the interim with the title on there, like. I would have done Goldberg and Bam Bam Bigelow. I would have done Goldberg and Wrath. I would have done like probably done a like a Goldberg Flair match. This was this this runs in. It, it's not um, unpopular enough to to really be a hill to die on because if it's if it's a hill you're going to die on, it needs to be contentious, right? I'm kind of of the opinion that. Um, that the NWO should have ended with Sting destroying Hogan at that Starcade, but the problem is, um, you know, there's still money to be made off of it. What do you do at that point? Well, honestly, it drug on too long. Anyway, I think they, and and then I, I think they had the right idea with having them split into factions, but then they didn't have a good endpoint. Like, oh yeah, I would have done. I would have still done like the wolf pack in black and white, but I would have had it maybe end at like, I would have drugged that out for maybe a year, but I would have done like a final showdown with like Nash and Hogan. Oh, incidentally, um, Sting never should have joined any version of the NWO at all. And I, I will uh, fight on this. It should never have happened. If his gimmick was, he was the antithesis of what that group was. And he was, the agent that destroyed it or, or 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 whatever then there is no way that he should have joined up with any version of it that should not have happened um i didn't mind it as much but like if it, i don't do we have this topic on air or do we talk about this off air because i know we've talked about this before but i don't feel like we did it on i think we touched air. on it but i can't remember which way it was I was I was fine with it like as a fucking with Hogan kind of thing and I think like I think you had to do something with him after like I mean I think they could have gone longer with his reign and done it better because like the whole like having him vacate the title after Starcade was really fucking dumb mm-hmm. um, but I think I think like joining the red and black like was fine like you could have done it a little different but um, I think it was fine, especially like doing it post Luger was there was some logic to that that I thought like lessened that blow a bit. But um, Matt? I see why you don't like it, though. Yeah, like, Matt, I'm not... do, do you do you have an opinion on this particular hill? Mm, I I mean, I'm such a sting mark. I kind of 
I kind of think I probably would agree with you. Like, I didn't like him when he joined. Like, I, I and just became part of the group. Like, I didn't really care for that. So, yeah, I would agree with you. Okay. All right. Well, do you guys have any other hills that we want to we want to plant the flag on or anything? Um, let me see. Noah's overrated. I got no opinion for you on that. Did you say Noah? Noah was overrated in their like heyday in the mid two thousands. I mean, define like how how overrated. Like the, the I don't I wouldn't have said that they were the best Fed working. Uh, um, they may have been at that time because things kind of got weird in Japan for a period. They may have been. In their heyday, the best Japanese promotion, but things were kind of bad in like the early two thousands. I think if you get past the the four pillar, well, sorry, the three pillars that were left, it was just really a nostalgia run for those guys. And if you got outside of the matches that involved them, it wasn't very good. And the green ring, the green ring sucks. <laughs> It was distracting. Visually, it was distracting. I always thought my TV was messed up if I didn't watch Noah for a while. (laughs) I mean, there were some good matches, but I thought it was ultimately like it was a nostalgia show and it benefited greatly from what you said. Like, Japan just sucked Mm -hmm. during those couple years where it really got big. Well, I have nothing to contribute at this point. So, all right. Oh, and um, I will die on the hill that Kawada is better than Mizawa. Oh, yeah, I, I actually would die on that hill. I will die on that hill a million times. Not Nothing against Mizawa, it's just Kawada was better. Yeah, I don't... I, I guess, is that contentious? I'm sure there are, there are people who probably like... There are guys that really love Mizawa, though. <laughs> I, I yeah. know that there are um, some people who are... Uh, very much like Misawa is the as the elder statesman and the final boss and the top of the line and that sort of stuff, but I don't um I just I don't I don't know enough to, to really chip I, in on it. It seems to be like I'm not as into that like all Japan like guys, but it's always struck me that you're either a Mizawa guy or a Kawada guy. Okay. From afar. Like that's always kind of what it struck me as. Like it seems like that's a very um a very uh, sharp divide. It's kind of the, the the what Beatles or Elvis thing, something I, like that. I think, it, I think it's made worse by the fact that they had such a contentious relationship with each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it, I I know Matt probably knows this, but like I think was it Kabashi that said like they had like people had to like run like the the stuff between them because they wouldn't talk to each other. I hadn't heard that. Wow. That's that's whew, that's a tough way to work. Yeah. But that's uh, that's my last like real hill to die on. What about you guys? Any other ones you want to throw out there? I I think I'm good for now. I think this is definitely like a subject we could revisit in the future. Uh, we, plenty, maybe, I'm sure there's plenty of hills that we could die on. Yeah, this might yeah. be a, a regular feature we need to make. I mean, if there, I don't. 
I'm not strong enough on it for it being a hill to die on yet, but my if I was going to make a contentious statement, it would probably be that of of the shield Dean is the one that should have had the the big main event push. I could I could bring up the real hill I would die on, but I'm not going to because it gets into politics and Oh. oh <laughs> maybe and maybe think, next time. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. We'll we'll avoid that for now. So all right, guys. Well, is there anything else we wanted to hit on today, or are we in a good place? No, but I want to come back. Uh, maybe in February we should do that that Triple H uh, show because now now I'm all like, I want to like dissect that. We've got a. There's a lot of material for us to reference on that, and and the question is whether or not Triple H was a step up from Terra Rising. <laughs> He had nice hair. It's terrorizing. <laughs> he did. Long and flowing. Yep. So, all righty, guys. Well, we want to say thanks to everyone out there for joining us. Please hit us up. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email. We'd love to hear from you. Love to see what you think. Do you have a hill you'd want to die on? Remember, uh, collar and elbow, Four Corners Podcast is your promo code for 10% off. Thank you all for joining us, and you have a good night.